And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torresani. Kate Anthony, welcome to Emotional Support. Kate, I can't tell you, I am so excited to have this conversation right now because I, um, while I am still married um, and happily married, um, I Good. have such a wide range of, of listeners on the podcast. And I didn't realize how important um, kind of the dating side was of the people that were listening. So I've had a lot of dating experts on and it like became very popular. And I was like, oh, wow, people really are interested in this. And then I Right. Writing in saying, right, but why aren't you ever talking about divorce? And I know that your podcast is about kind of like your journey and your story and everything like that. But mm -hmm. this is something that happens. This is part of a mental health crisis for people. And I, I think that it's only fair that I share in, in my kind of journey as well of, well, I'm not divorced and I'm not getting a divorce by any means. That, that thought definitely ruminated in my head of having a stress of a marriage when you are, you know, postpartum and going through the struggles of a baby. And I just meet so many wonderful women that go through divorces within the first, I would say, three to nine months postpartum. And I never wow. realized how common that was. And I, and, and so I just, I wanted to talk all about divorce with the divorce expert, Kate Anthony. So Kate, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. How did you become such Thank a divorce you. expert? Uh, well, you know, as with most things, it started with my own journey, my own divorce journey. Sure. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm also the expert in making the decision, mm -hmm. right? That's really where I, I mean, I'm also a divorce coach. I'm a high conflict divorce coach and I work with women throughout the process, but really where sort of my, um, my juice is, is in helping women make the decision, right? We get so confused, especially like, right, you're postpartum. Like, what is it? Is it me? Yeah. Is it him? Is it the, is it this baby? Is it my hormones? Right. Is it my mental health? Is it his mental health? Right? Like, ah, um, and there's so much stuff going on, but I mean, really it was my experience going through divorce. I had a very, very, um, volatile and emotionally abusive marriage. Mm -hmm. And when, and I was just agonizing for years. You know, this was back in 2006, uh, seven, eight, right? When I was really agonizing right, over this. Right. We didn't have podcasts or Instagram or any of these amazing tools we have today. And I just knew that I was miserable and I didn't understand what was happening. Right, right. And, um, and then we got, you know, finally I was like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And we managed to have a spectacular divorce, wow. and <laughs> which is a weird thing to say, but we were really like, okay. Um, and I, and I definitely think it was the luck of the draw for me that I was married to someone who, while he was most emotionally abusive to me in the marriage and to a, to an extent out, you know, beyond it, I really also was very lucky that I was divorcing someone who was willing to put everything aside and just focus on what's best for our son. And how old, on a side note, how old was your son at this point? Well, he was three and a half oh. when, when we finally, uh, when I finally called it. Right. But I had been questioning it for a long ass time. Mm. Um, I was really lucky also that my ex-husband was, he was so, well, he was so hands-on as a dad, right? right? I didn't have any of that like, 
you know, domestic labor issues or like I was a stay at home mom at the time. He was working full time and but he would come home and it was partly by necessity. Our son had one of the worst cases of colic that Children's Hospital of L.A. had ever seen. Wow. And so, yeah, it was really bad. Like they took us aside and they put us in a room and they said, we have seen really good people go really bad over this. Wow. What is your support system? Like it was that bad. Yeah. And I had, and I was postpartum. And was, what were the signs? Like he was just, the symptoms were just, he was Scream. screaming all night long. Scream for 16 hours a day for over, for almost six months. Oh my gosh, Kate. <gasps> it was a holy nightmare. So literally my, my, my ex would get home and I would just like hand off because yeah. I had been home for however many hours with a screaming baby. Like I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't put him in the car. I couldn't go grocery shopping. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. Um, and it was just, it was so exhausting. So he was really like hands on. Sure. And, um, you know, by necessity, although I do know a lot of men who aren't, who are like, well, that's your problem. Right. Um, so anyway, you know, I went through this process and a lot of people were like, how did you guys do this? You guys were like the worst married couple. I mean, it was, our marriage was <laughs> so bad that, you know, we didn't hide it. Hmm. Right. We were the couple that people were like really uncomfortable. Around. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and cause that's what I find yeah. like the people that are, that, you know, have gotten divorced around me where it's, it was like, you had no idea. Like you were shocked that they right. were doing that. Right. Right. So, like it was never the right. like, Ooh, like you're talking about like your situation. It was always this, I can't even believe that they're the ones that are getting divorced. Like they seem so strong, right. you know? Right. They hit it so well. And I think, you know, and then that's, that is such a difficult thing when the people that you think are just really great and solid are the ones that go like the people around you, like, like it's really confronting mm. and it's really stressful yeah. um, on all everyone else's marriages, you know, um, right. I'm sure you've experienced that. Right. It's like, well, well shit, if they're, if they didn't make it, like, what does How that say about us? Right. right. Yeah. So then, you know, I was, I mean, that's kind of how I got into it. People asking me like, how did you guys do that? And I was like, I don't, I mean, I don't know. And, you know, and then I was, I had been an actress for my whole life before, uh, doing this. And when I got divorced, I was like, I'm just not, I'm, I'm like, I'm so done <laughs> with, the, you know, I was really done with the industry. I was done with all of it. And I had done most of what I wanted to do. And I certainly, I was raised in theater. I certainly wasn't going to be doing theater as a mom, as a sure. new mom. Right. Certainly not in LA. Right. So, you know, I just was like, okay, I'm done. What am I going to do next? And, and I was not going to be dragging my three-year-old, you know, to, you know, callbacks in Santa Monica. Right, right, right. <laughs> I live, right, right. I live in Eden Like, it's not happening, right? Like, well, I'm not driving to any fucking studio yeah. <laughs> an hour and a yeah. half away in rush hour traffic with my three-year-old in the back. Sorry. Um, and so I would say, like, the cost, the cost-benefit traffic analysis. <laughs> you like, <"Not> <laughs> like didn't it. add I'm up. Sorry, <laughs> it's not worth it. Yeah, yeah. It's not worth it. Um, and so I, um, people were like, you should be a therapist. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh no, <laughs> that sounds terrible. Right? And then, um, someone suggested coaching and I went to a, a, you know, a weekend to figure, to find out about more about it. And I loved it. Mm -hmm. And 
uh, I was really good at it. And so I stayed, I did the whole year and a half program. And then I did another year long program in relationship coaching, relationship systems coaching. So I could really understand the dynamics of, of actual relationships from a, you know, Gottman based, um, and family systems based, um, perspective. Um, and then I, then I just, I don't know, then I started doing it. And then the more I did it, you know, with anything, you kind of find your path, right? right? It's, it's a, it's a meandering windy path. I wanted to do one thing then I decided to do another thing Then I came back to, you know, sure. So really my focus is in helping now where I've landed is in really helping women make this decision. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a book coming out called the D word, making the ultimate decision about your marriage. And so that's what it's, you know, really about, but it also goes through the entire process of divorce. Like, what does it look like? Right. Right. Because we often want to know on the other side, like, okay, what is my life going to look like? Is the grass actually going to be greener? Right. right. (laughs) Or is this going to be a nightmare? And I feel like there's so many questions too, when it comes to financial situations, like what's stability going to be look like, you know, if you have children, what is the custom? going to look like? Like, I feel like there's so many unknowns and I didn't realize, you know, you hear, I, I'm, it's so funny because I am a child of divorce, right? So you think I would know right. so yeah. much about this, but my parents, you know, got divorced when I was, you know, 15, 16 years old, didn't get it finalized for years after that. Like, so, I mean, for me, like it's, it looks very different than, the people in my life that are getting divorced with very young children, right? It's I, sure, I, I kind of I was I was an in quote unquote adult yeah. when it happened, so for me it never felt like, oh my gosh, I have these two families now, and I'm like being yeah. you know, taken for one for three days and the other for four days, and then making that way. And then you hear so many different podcasts where it's divorce has become so negative. Right. Instead of it being Mm -hmm. a positive thing sometimes for the children where it's like better that mom and dad are not together. So I think hearing it in a positive way is is great, like from you, for instance. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, look, nobody wants to gloss over or, um, you know, negate a child's experience that like it's devastating, right? It can be devastating. There are a lot of kids out there who are begging their kids, their parents to get divorced, who are like, you guys... Like, I, I can't live like this anymore. Like, when it's volatile, even when it's not, I mean, what I always say to people is that, like, even if it's not, even if you think you're hiding it from your kids, you're not. You're not. You're not. Um, I was one of those. My my parents are divorced. They got separated when I was 11 months old. Wow. So I literally came home from nursery school and I was like, mommy, 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 Damon's parents live together. Why would they do that? And she was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? Yeah. She was like, uh, hmm. Okay. So. Yeah. Right. <laughs> wow. And do you feel like it was, so since you are a child of divorce as well, and you've been in the situation yeah. where you've been the child, um, and not mm-hmm. just the adult going through the divorce, do you find that it was better for you that your parent, I wouldn't say better for you, but like, do you find it was easier for you that they, you were so young when they got divorced opposed to maybe when you were like 10 or 15 or something like that? Like where you didn't know any different? Yeah, sure. I didn't know any different. And I do think that, I do think it's it's not as traumatic, right? If it's just the air you breathe and it's just the reality that you're born into or that, you know, you're become conscious into, uh, I think it's, I think that's a lot better than the, than the rift mm. that a lot of parents, you know, um, 
that, that happens to a lot of children. Um, you know, I have no idea whether what my life, I, I can pretty much assess, I can pretty much guess what my life would have been like had my parents been together. It would have been awful, right. Right. <laughs> you know, and my, you know, I have a lot of trauma over the fact that, you know, my dad was not around. Um, you know, he was in and out of my life for a good, uh, you know, the first 18 years. Um, and then when I was 18, he got clean and sober and, you know, cleaned up his life and started showing up as a dad, but you know, I was 18. Um, so, but you know, he and I are very close now, but you know, it took a long time. Mm. Um, and so that, you know, look, if you, if you're splitting and you've got two parents who are committed to your children, to their, their children, like my ex and I were, right. Right. Um, we just put all our shit aside as much as possible and it came up, it cropped up and there were all sorts of, you know, we've been divorced for 15 years and now we're, you know, very close, but there's been a, <laughs> it's been a it's journey, been a I'll tell you. Right. It's not, it's not simple. And I feel like we're living in this new world where, you know, you hear of, you know, the, the co-parenting and the, the, what, what, it, what is it called? And I'm totally blanking because this is what happens to me with my mom. Brain. Conscious uncoupling. Thank you. Conscious uncoupling. You're and you started hearing mm-hmm. this very popularly because of Gwyneth Paltrow and like this very mm-hmm. like cool hip, like, oh my gosh, Chris Martin and Gwyneth Paltrow were doing it the cool way. And, you know, yeah. I, I think that it's really, it is really cool. Like if you can do that, but what about in situations when you literally despise the person that you're getting a divorce from and like, yeah, or they're just like not a good person. Like, what about for that situation? Yeah. Like, can you maybe touch 100%. on that situation? Absolutely. That's what I do all day, every day. You know, one of the things that I did not count on was that as my business progressed, I was going to be dealing with more and more uh, domestic violence Wow. in all, um, all forms, right? We consider emotional abuse, a form of domestic violence. Financial abuse is domestic violence. Um, and so, you know, there are all these forms, uh, that domestic violence takes, um, spiritual abuse, religious abuse, that all of that stuff. Right. I had no idea that I was going to encounter it so much, much. and, and I really do. And, to the point where I went and got certified as a domestic violence victims advocate because I I needed to be responsible mm. for how I was you know holding the lives of these women, um, and you know the thing that I that I recommend for everybody whether it's uh, amicable or not mm. is that you start off with more of a what we call parallel parenting okay. uh, relationship than co-parenting mm. right because. Co-parenting is like you're kind of taking this paradigm of the two of you together married, and then you're moving it over into the two of you together divorced. Mm. And that can really impede your ability to individuate, to heal, uh, all of the things, right? And so, and you're also can be making that decision mm-hmm. to co-parent and and be friends and do holidays together from a from a not a healed perspective, yeah. right? You're still and so I know that's what I did, mm. right? I was, frankly, I think I was too scared mm. to be like, I'm, I need this. I didn't even know it was an option really. Right. And so, uh, when I was able to, and it was, and it was in a colossally, uh, 
bad, messy way when I finally set that boundary because there were ways in which the emotional abuse had followed us into our divorce. And I was, and I was still in this, I was still the victim. I was still the, the lightning rod. Um, and so I, in a very colossal and ugly and public way, I severed that, um, And we moved into a parallel parenting relationship and it ended up being so much better because then I was able to heal Mm. and I was able to grow on my own and figure out who I was. And, um, uh, and then I, when we came back together in more of a co-parenting way, it was after years of healing. Mm -hmm. And so now I am someone who has really clear boundaries. Mm. I am someone who he would not dare right. <laughs> to, to, to like, you know, and not because he's scared of me, but because he actually respects the boundaries that I've set. Sure. Um, sure. And I wouldn't have been able to set those boundaries when I was still enmeshed with him. Mm. And what we tend to do is people get divorced, you know, physically, legally, financially, but they don't do it emotionally. Right. And that's the hardest part, right? We just keep sort of perpetuating the emotional cycles that we were the reasons that we got divorced (laughs) usually. Right. Right. But like when you're co-parenting, when you're, when you're parents, you can't go no contact. You can't, you know, sever this relationship. You've got like, it has to keep going Mm -hmm. and there's not a really clear roadmap. And we're taught like, Oh, conscious uncoupling. And this is the way to go and all of these things. And, Um, And I think it's great. It really is. It's wonderful. If you can consciously uncouple while also individuating and setting your boundaries, like you can still uncouple in a way that is not ugly and doesn't put your kids in the middle of your bitterness and your nastiness, but also has clear boundaries where you can go and do the work that you need to do to heal your heart Mm. um, and learn who you are now. You know, there's a, it's a balance. I I love, I love that. And I love that you say that it's a balance. You know, I I think another question that I, that I have for you that, that has come up with a few um, people in my life that I'm not like super close with, but have, when we've talked about these things, like it has come up where it's like, what about when the, you know, you want to get a divorce, right? But this is, I'm talking, this is when you have younger children, not when kids are like Mm -hmm. already in school and stuff. But I feel like a lot sure. of, I'm going to speak from the moms because I've only heard this from sure. the moms. So I'm not going to say it from the dad. Yeah, right. Um, okay. You know, some of the moms are really concerned like, hey, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. I can't handle this marriage anymore. And it's really bad. I know going to be in the future, but the dad just truly can't take care of the kid. And I don't want a babysitter kid, or I don't want a nanny, or I don't want his family to be raising mm-hmm. their kids. You know, what do you say yeah. in that kind of situation? Because I haven't had any advice to give yeah. people where I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I went either. You know? Well, that's my thought, you know. <laughs> so it's like, what what do you do in that situation where where people are staying for they're staying together for the kid per se, you know, but it's maybe mm-hmm. it's not the most healthy situation. So there are a few things that I say about that. First of all, nine times out of ten, if they are um know a capable human being Mm -hmm. um they'll figure it out 
They really do. They figure it out. My ex-husband used to say, like, I did everything. I was a stay-at-home mom. Sure. Right? And so I did everything. And then when we got divorced, I remember the very first birthday party um, that happened, that fell on his weekend. And he was sending me all these, like, panic texts about, like, what do I buy? I don't know what, I don't know what to get him. I don't know what to get the kid and a good birthday present. Oh, my God. And it was like the party was, like, in an hour. And I'm like, and I was determined not to do it for him. Right. And I said, you know what? You are an intelligent human being. I am sure you'll figure it out. Good for you. And he did. Right. You know? And by the way, there were times when he took my son to a birthday party without a present. And I had to sit on my hands because, and a lot of parents will be like, but then it reflects badly on your kid. And then your kid, and I'm like, no, it doesn't. It reflects badly on him. And you know what? He will be sufficiently shamed (laughs) and he won't do it again. Right. It like, it will, it'll work itself out. But if you go to target and you get the gift and you wrap it and then you bring it to his house so that he, you know, he'll never figure it out. Mm. And then you're, why, why are you getting divorced? What's the point? Right. Right. right? And so nine times out of 10, they do figure it out. Um, and when they don't, you know, look, you don't want a babysitter raising your kid or his family raising your, your child. And, and I get that. And also there, there are things that you can work out, right? Like you can say, you can do a right of first refusal, mm. which means that if they're not actually going to be available to parent, if they're going to hire a babysitter for, let's say you can stipulate more than four hours. Sure. If they're going to hire a babysitter, they have to call you first. Mm. Okay. Um, I don't love that in parenting plans because often it's like, I'm going on a date on Friday night. And so I have to call you first to babysit. Now, now you know that he's going on a date and like, it's just, it's too enmeshed. Sure, it can be too sure, messy. Sure, sure. Um, and also if you really don't think that the, that he's going to be parenting your child, then may, you know, if, if the plan is that his family is going to take care of the child and you're not, then like, maybe you actually get more custody mm. if that's, if that's a definitive plan, you know? Mm. So there are ways, listen, there are ways to work around this. And I'm sure this is, and and this is me not pointing out, this is me asking. I'm sure Mm -hmm. like a fingerprint, every divorce is unique to its own. Like I'm sure like there are a million different, you know, things. And I, and and who, I never realized this, but like seeing how different things are in different states and different countries, like it's just like, it's wild. It's crazy. It's unbelievable that there is no, you know, federal consistency, yeah. right? In this, there every state is different. It can vary county to county. Wow. Like it's a, it's a nightmare. So, um, I guess what, you know, the thing that I, that, I, and yes, every divorce is different. And also there's like hardly anything I haven't heard at this point. There's like nothing there, you know, there's nothing I haven't heard. Um, it's very rare that someone tells me a story that surprises me mm. at this point. Wow. But, you know, one of the things uh, that I sort of, I think that if if someone is saying, I don't want to leave because I'm worried that someone else is going to take care of my kid or he doesn't know how to parent and all of those things, I like to dig under that a little bit as a coach, mm-hmm. right? I want to get underneath what that's really about because often there's some other underlying stuff that maybe. Right. Um, that's masking. Right. Right. And a lot of it is, a lot of it is, but I'm mom. Mm. 
Yeah. And I don't want to be away from my kid. Yeah. And when you're when your kid is little, yeah. It's I mean, you're the mom of a small child. Like, can you imagine not seeing uh, your no, kid half uh, of the time? Honestly, I feel like that is like I I'm I'm so, you know, probably overprotective to the point where it's like I will not I will give up everything just to spend five minutes with my daughter. Like it gets me it gets me emotional. Right. Like I could not imagine yeah. like it's right. a it, I was talking to this girl and she was telling me this story of of how, you know, it was a wrongful court system and they, you know, because of COVID, like they took the child, you know, to the the dad and not her and like all, just anyways, mm. long story short, I I've just I've heard so many stories where parents are forced to not be around their kids because of X, Y, and Z, and it's not anything bad. And you're just like, oh my God. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like I could not It's it's really dangerous. Um, The family court system, I mean, look, if there's any reason to try to work this out as amicably as possible, it's what happens in the family court system. It is an absolute shit show. It's dangerous. It, um, it does not support women. It's heavily biased towards men. There've been some terrifying studies done on this. And why, but why? Um, like, is it, is it because of the judges that are there? Like, what is the, it, like, cause I feel like, well, back in the day, it wasn't this most ju- Now it's crazy. Well, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. It is crazy. Um, I think it's a number of reasons. First of all, most of the judges are, you know, old white dudes. So yeah. <laughs> we'll start there. Yeah. Um, right. Um, it also, because judges have family court judges, family court attorneys, for anyone in the family court system, nobody is required to have an ounce of domestic violence training. They have no training in recognizing the signs of domestic violence. They have no, no training in advocacy. And so you have, so <laughs> this is, this is like, Mind blowing. But as soon as a woman, mm -hmm, as soon as if a woman accuses her ex-husband of domestic violence, she, her chances of losing custody of her children increases by something like, I don't have the numbers, um, but it's a lot. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, right. And then if then he says, well, she, they claim this thing called parental alienation, which is a pseudoscience. It's not real. Um, it's very dangerous. And but but the family court system doesn't know that. And what what does that mean? What is it? Parental alienation yeah. syndrome. It's basically an accusation. Uh, it was a it's a term that was coined by this man named Richard Gardner. Okay. So Richard Garden, so parental alienation is a is a term that was coined by um, this man, Richard Gardner, and it was based on his personal, not scientific, uh, observations and work as an expert witness, hmm. uh, often on behalf of fathers who are accused of molesting children. Wow. So ascend, yeah, uh-huh. So, and also, by the way, somewhere in this, he says that... Um, he talks about children seducing their fathers. 
as if that's a thing. Um, and that it's perfectly sort of somehow natural for fathers to be sexually attracted to their children. Oh, so this guy was essentially supporting the notion of pedophilia, but yet his work has become like law, not law, but like legal professionals will cite it at his, his, the syndrome that he made up in support of, you know, pedophilia. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So, uh, but, but wait, there's more. Um, so now, like, the father's rights movement has sort of taken over this term of parental alienation. Basically, that as soon as a woman claims, you know, my, my child, my, you know, my, my, my ex is an abuser, mm. then the father says, she's alienating me. Mm. And this is a, this the reason my children don't want to be with me is that they've been alienated, not that they're scared of me or right. I don't know how to parent them or anything like that. They've been brainwashed. So this woman Joan Meyer um, at uh, George Washington University, she's a professor at uh, at GW. So she published a study entitled "Mapping Gender: Shedding Empirical Light on Family Courts Treatment of Cases Involving Abuse and Alienation." <laughs> so, um, so her findings were that first of all, when mothers make claims of domestic violence, they're credited by the court only 41% of the time, meaning that 51% of the time, women are not believed by the court. Now we know that most women, most women do not falsify claims of domestic violence because it's really not in our, it is not in our best interest to do so, right? We only do it when we have to. Um, Only 27% of women who accuse men of child abuse are believed by the court and accusations of child sexual abuse are credited by the court only 15% of the time. When fathers make claims of parental alienation, right? When dads say like, they're all, she's trying to take my kids away from me because she's alienating me, not not having anything to do with my own behavior. Then they, the court credits uh, mother's claims of abuse even less. So, and mothers, so she also found that mothers reporting father's abuse actually lost custody of their children 26% of the time. Oh my God. This is why we don't want to be in the family court system, if at all possible. No. And, and for those who don't want to go to that extreme, like, you know, of going to the family court system, what would you say, like, would be the first step, like to find a divorce coach? Like what, what is the first step? If you're like someone, if you're like, let's use, we'll use me as an example. Like I want to, you know, have an amicable, amicable divorce. And I want to, you know, co-parent the best way I should. And I don't want to take this to a court system. So what, what would be my first step? Yeah. Your first step is to. I want you to know my husband's in the bathroom in the bathroom right now, like laughing, be like, "Wait, what's going on?" As he (laughs) he's like, "Hold on a minute, what's going on?" Um, but we'll use me as an example because I don't want to use other people. (laughs) Right? No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, so uh, shout out to your husband. It's okay. It's all right. I got you. Um, but. I, uh, the first thing you should do, so here's the deal, right? But divorce is the, you're making the biggest legal and financial decisions of your entire life in the midst of the biggest emotional upheaval of your entire life. Those are two, those are terrible combinations. So what you want to do is process the emotional part of it 
as much as possible before you get into anything legal or financial. And this is a big reason why there are a lot of states that require a one year like waiting period. You have to be separated for a full year before you can even start to uh, negotiate terms for divorce. Really? Oh my gosh. So okay. yeah, yeah. And that, listen, and for many people, that's terrible, right? Because now you're stuck together. Like you're, you can't get divorced. You can't move on. There's all sorts of decisions you can't make. And like, it's really difficult. But what it does is it gives you time think, really and it gives this. your spouse time. Not just do I really want this, but like, okay, I want this. I know I want this, but now I have to like process my emotions before mm. I start making big legal and financial decisions. Okay. And it also, you know, the other thing I'll say is that I see this happen a lot where women, listen, usually we are 69% of the time women are initiating divorces. Mm -hmm. So we are, and by the time we get there, we've been done for a long time. Right. right? And so, and when we're done, we're done, done, all done. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, it's I've like, a, it's like a hammer. Right. Right. And so when we get done, we want to get it done. Mm. Right. And so we're like, okay, you know what? Actually I'm done. And then no matter how many times you've told your spouse, your partner that you're, that, that you're getting close to being done, that, you know, things are terrible, that you're unhappy, all of the things when you're finally done, it is always a surprise. Mm. They never think it's coming. They never saw it coming. They're totally blindsided. And as disingenuous as that may feel, it's usually actually, that is a valid and real experience for the other person. Right, right. So now you're done and you're like, let's get it done. Mm -hmm. But you got to give them some time and space. Because mm. if you start pushing it, you're basically pushing them deeper into their rage, their, you know, vengeance, their, you know, defensiveness, whatever, whatever it is. And you're put, you are more than likely going to end up in some sort of, you know, litigious battle. Right, right. So give everybody space, just give space to breathe. Like once you impart the information and there's a very specific way to do that, um, that I, that I outline in my book, um, having this, you know, number of people that say, well, I've tried to tell him that I, you know, I wanted a divorce, but he doesn't believe me or he doesn't agree or all of those things. This is not a conversation. This is a declaration. You are imparting information. <laughs> you're not going to get an agreement. You're not going to get understanding. You're not going to get any permission. Mm -hmm. You're just letting him know that this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. But then once you do that, then you got to have some like empathy for like, this person has to process this information. Sure. This is life shattering information. Sure. And if you move too quickly into, you know, figuring out who's going to keep the house and custody agreements and blah, 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 all the shit that you're like ready to do. But if you push them too fast into it, it's going to be bad, right? Bad. Especially if you're with someone who may not be the best at processing their emotions. Which is a lot of people. And I think, and, and even if you are good at processing your emotions, it's such a different emotion and a different feeling than you've ever felt before. So it's like. Oh, you know, a hundred percent, just a regular breakup. And I think when there's kids involved too, it just adds such a deeper level. Like, I, I think I've realized like in this whole process of, of marriage and having a kid, like to my friends who are not married yet, or to my friends who do not have kids yet. I'm like, if you want to have a kid, like personally, in my opinion, I'm like, do it on your own. <laughs> like, it's great to have a <laughs> 
but I mean, it's really hard. It's very hard hard because it's not just like, well, I'm going to do this because this is what I believe in. It's like, well, you have another person that has a half say in that situation and you may not agree with them, but sometimes you have to come to an agreement because it's what's best for your child. And that's really frustrating. And you know, it's, it's, (laughs) <laughs> it's really, it's really hard. Yeah. And I think that people don't, it's really hard. um, they don't, they don't realize that you can't, you almost like can't explain it unless you're in it. You know, you can say it in, yeah, in that's many right. different ways and many different terms, but like, yeah. you're not going to get it unless you're really in it. You know, you're in it for that long. Uh, listen, a hundred percent. It, it, you have got parenting and marriage makes you have to think so far beyond yourself in ways that you can't, you can't like simulate, No, right? You can't, there's, there's no simulation for this. And I mean, this is why I won't date anyone who hasn't been a parent. Mm, Interesting. Hasn't been married and been a parent because first of all, like I'm 52. Like if you are in your fifties and you've not been married and have like, that's great. But like, you have literally never had to live your life for anyone outside of right, yourself. Right. It, you know, it's so that's so, I, it's so funny that you say that a friend of mine who has been divorced for a couple of years now, she was only dating guys, um, who had never been married before, or maybe were engaged or maybe married, but never had kids. And she had a child, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. she started dating this guy who had a few kids and she's like, it's the, I, I used to be like, I would never date someone who had kids because I don't want to share kids. Like none of that, you know, um, I have my kid, that's all I need, you know? And she was like, it was the best decision that I ever made because it's someone that understands. He gets it. That gets it. That understands what it was yeah. like to be divorced. That understands what it's like to share custody, what understands how like guess what i can't like see you tonight because i have my kid and sorry they 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 they're better than you i'm sorry like it's always going to be them first you well, know and i think right that's, so that's that's the thing is that a parent when i you know if i say like my kid comes first to a parent they're like no shit yeah right but if i say my kid comes first to anyone who's never experienced that there's a, there's a jealousy or a defensiveness and it doesn't, it, you know, though they may say they understand it, but when push comes to shove, they don't don't. get it. No, they don't get it at all. They don't. No, absolutely. They don't. Well, I was just going to say that we don't think about that when we're choosing a partner, right? We're not thinking about the level of sacrifice and compromise Mm. that we're going to have to make with this person. Right. And I think it's really, we don't think about like, is this person going to be capable of growing with me and stretching beyond what's comfortable to them? Right. right? Because, you know, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard to, to find that match that's willing to, to be that flexible. Mm -hmm. And like you said, do shit that doesn't feel good for them because it's right for the family or doesn't, you know, or asks you to do something that doesn't feel right for you because it's best for the kid or the family. Right. Yeah. The whole thing is, is very, very challenging. No, it's, it's absolutely challenging. There was something that I read in, 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 
your in your bio and you were talking about like the geeky neuroscience behind um divorce <laughs> and i i absolutely love that what is some geeky neuroscience that you can share with me in regards to divorce or uncoupling or something like that because i i live for that yeah. i live for that work so i know i know you do i know you do i mean look it's, I think it's, it's not specifically for divorce. Like I just believe yeah. in our ability to grow and stretch and build new neural pathways. Yeah. And right, because we are so, we're conditioned, especially as women, we're so conditioned to do things one way. And, you know, there are just ways that, that we can grow and expand mm -hmm. ourselves that, we need to tap into, especially in this process, right? Like this is the, like I said, the biggest emotional upheaval of our lives tends to be, right? Yeah. Um, and it's really important that we look at the decision-making process, right. you know, not from like, what have I done up till this point, but what am I capable of doing? Yeah. Am I capable of being a single parent? You know, yes, you, yes, you are. Yeah. Am I capable of, um, you know, of doing this on my own? Am I, am I, right? How can I grow at my capacity as a human? Well, and this areas, I think for, for women and, and something that I'm going to ask you, you know, because, you know, mm -hmm. I'm an actress right now and, and, you know, mm -hmm. there was COVID, then there was pregnancy, then there was a SAG strike. So I have not worked for a while. Right. Like, okay. So we'll say that, you know, <laughs> it's been a journey. Yeah, right. Um, I'll say it just right, I know. to be honest, you know, but it's one of those things where, you know, uh, so many women in my life and so many women that I find on social media, you know, when I, when I'm, you know, on my algorithm, like looking of, you know, what, what's the next step, like in my career, in my journey, in the sense of, Am I capable of being a single mom? Am I capable of financially able to do that? There are so many women that I know, including myself, of being like, if I were to get divorced right now, like, I would be so scared, like, financially, like, how would I do it? Yeah. Like, you know, and yeah. what are- This economy is a nightmare, by the way. And the economy <laughs> yeah. is an absolute fucking nightmare, you know? And so what, you know, nightmare. what's some advice that maybe you would give to someone who was scared to get a divorce simply from the financial aspect of like, what do Absolutely. I do with a career? Like, how do yeah. I make money? I've been right. a stay at home mom, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, there's a few things. First of all, there is, I'm scared of getting divorced because I have financial, you know, fears, right? I'm, I'm scared of financial insecurity. And then there's, I'm, I'm scared of getting divorced because I literally don't think I can afford to pay rent in this economy. Yeah. Um, these are very valid, you know, it's a very valid thing. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of single moms right now who are really struggling, really struggling, especially in LA. I mean, this is an insane place to live right now. Yeah. And, you know, and a major, all major cities, New York, London, San Francisco, like rents are stupid. Yeah. So I'm all for uh, the uh, community you know, like gathering women in community, if at all possible to, um, you know, co co-house, you know, sure. um, I think that that model needs to come back. Um, the village, all of that. Um, I think 
first of all, you should have a conversation with um, a CDFA, which is a certified divorce financial analyst. You need to run your numbers. A lot of women who are scared to get divorced because they think they can't afford it actually don't know how much they're going to have. Mm. They don't know that they can't afford it. They're scared that they can't afford it, but they actually have no idea. Um, very often you've got someone, you know, a husband saying, if you leave, you're going to get nothing. Right. And that's just not the way the law works in most right, states. Right. So, you know, find out, find, get the facts. Mm -hmm. First, get the facts. Find out what your budget actually is, right. how much money you actually have in, in the bank. If you've been a stay-at-home mom, I suggest working in any, any way you possibly can. Um, it's, you know, if you're on Upwork or on, um, you know, or Etsy, whatever, any of the, you know, online things that you can sure. do some work when you're, you know, when your kids are asleep, just start somewhere um, and and see if it's literally you can't afford it or if it's I'm scared I can't mm -hmm. afford it. Um, if you literally can't afford it and you are safe, mm. if you are, you know, emotionally, psychologically, physically, sexually, spiritually safe then there are ways that you can, you know, live together while you're separated mm. and really create a clear division in the house. Um, I know, you know, my ex and I had to live together for six months while we were separated, while we were trying to like figure shit out. Right. And we just, you know, we, we divided the, we, you know, one of us would, would sleep in the house. The other one would sleep out in the, <laughs> the guest house. Um, right. And, you know, we would alternate nights. We would alternate nights out, right? We're both in 12-step programs, so we would just, you know, we would alternate nights going to our meetings and or nights out with friends. Um, and, and that was a really good way to do it. You know, you can figure out a co-parenting schedule in a house sure. if, you know, as long as you're not, as long as you're safe, like I said. Um, there, are, there are options. But, I mean, look, it's, it's, a, it's a reality right sure. now. And especially for women, you know, we are financially disenfranchised. We are, you know, this economy has hit us really hard. Um, starting with COVID, you know, we just lost so much money in, in that. Um, and so, you know, there there are options, but also you want to get actual numbers and yeah. actual clarity love before that. you make that decision. I love that. Like actually figuring it out and seeing the truth of, of can I afford this? Can I not afford this? Like, mm -hmm. I, I think that that's, right. that's phenomenal. Thank you for that advice. Yeah. Is there any other yeah. advice before we, we wrap up that you would like to share, you know, with, with my audience, you know, something that, yeah. that maybe you experienced I mean, I, that you wanted to share, you know, with someone else? Yeah. I think that, you know, the most important thing is, you know, I'm not an advocate for divorce. I am an advocate for, for women being in healthy, happy relationships. Mm. And I think the thing that often gets so lost with us is that we deserve, you deserve to be happy. Yeah. You deserve to live a life that you own. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah. and so if that's not happening for you, you know, I have, again, not to, not to shamelessly plug my book, but here's my book. Um, the D that's word. That's what you're here for, girl. <laughs> right. I'm shamelessly plugging my book, The D Word, Making the Ultimate Decision About Your Marriage. It starts with the self-work, mm. right? Because we focus so much on the other person and what they're doing wrong and are they, is what they're doing wrong enough to justify blah, 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 right? I want you to start with the self-work. 
because I want you to know if is it your marriage that's making you unhappy are do you you know are is do you have mental health um issues that need to be addressed right are all of the things like we have to do the self work first and then we can look at the other person um and I, that's what I want for everybody and if you're listening to this podcast my guess is that's what you're doing anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> um right and and that it really does begin with you and when you build up your self-esteem and your sense of self and who you are and your mental um, sort of, you know, fortitude and emotional fortitude, you can then make a decision mm. about what's right for you. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing is that you are, that you live a life. Like, this is it, guys. This is it. One shot. I know you only get one life. Right. So it's like you might as well make right. the most of it and have the most fun and and that's right. Get as much love as you can, you know, because you deserve that's it. That's right. And I think that people do. forget about that, right? They think that like they just have to keep making sacrifices because of X, Y, and Z, you know what I mean? And it's like I know. No, you like you should be happy. And if you're not happy and you can't make that happy anymore, you yeah. move on. You can, you can, you can find it within yourself, um, possibly with somebody else, but you should not be, you should not suffer. No, you don't need to suffer. No, you don't need to suffer at all. Well, Kate, I'm going to yeah. ask you my final question that I ask everyone. Um, what is your emotional support? Oh, my <laughs> friends. Oh, I love, I mean, my therapist. Yes. Well, let me, let me count down. Yeah. Uh, my meds. <laughs> My vitamin Z, uh, my, my Zoloft, my Wellbutrin, um, my medication, my therapist, my friends. My friends are everything. I have some of the best friends oh. in the universe, and I'd be lost without them, yeah. truly lost without yeah. them. And I think it's only possible for me to have had these friendships because of the work that I've done on myself to be the person who's able to give and receive in sure. that way. Sure. Oh, that's yeah. so wonderful. Oh, I, I just, I love that so much. I, you know, I, I'm thinking of one question that I want to go back to really quickly before I forget. And since you bring it up, mm -hmm. since this is a mental health podcast and we talked about, you know, me living with bipolar disorder all day, every day, and you're talking about your <laughs> mental health, something that, yeah. that comes up a lot, um, in, in kind of when, when I was pregnant and with the postpartum was, there's such a big fear of women sharing their mental illness and their mental health and them struggling and feeling really dark and feeling heavy and maybe even suicidal and all these things, you know, where they are afraid to go to a hospital to share this because they're afraid of losing mm. their baby or having their baby taken away. Right. You know, something yeah. that I didn't think about until you just said your, you know, your emotional support, you know, since you just spoke so so beautifully about it was, you know, what happens for the women that are scared who are living with mental health issues or who are living with mental illness that are open about it, that they're afraid that they might lose their baby because of that. I mean, we talk about it, you know, with pregnancy and we talk about it postpartum. Yeah. What about with divorce? Like what, what, what about yeah. that? So, you know, fortunately, I think that we have definitely uh, turned a cultural corner um, and I think most judges will 
see, people say that, like, I don't want to go on medication because I don't want them to use it against me. And I say, I don't, you know, most attorneys and most judges see that as a positive, that you're actually taking care of your mental health. Mm -hmm. Look, if you are, if you suffer crippling anxiety and it keeps you on the floor in the corner in the fetal position most days, and you're not addressing it, Mm -hmm. that's a bigger concern from a parenting perspective than taking a pill that actually solves, you know, or, or, you know, getting whatever help you may need. Um, And so I think that we've turned a cultural corner where people are finally starting to see getting help for your mental health issues. It's a good thing. um, It's a good thing. Right. It shows that you're like actually handling shit. Right, right, right. You're not ignoring stuff. You know, so I that is, yeah. If someone's going to use that against you, my response, my, you know, what I advise my clients and anyone else to say is, yes, Your Honor, I have struggled with mental illness, and here is the list of all the help that I've been getting that is helping me function, and I'm fine. Sure. Right. And I'm, and I'm thriving. Thank you very much. I'm thriving. Thank you very much because I'm, because I, you know, I'm taking care of it, you know? Right. And I, you know, I, I, I sort of would, um, you know, then there could be a little like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so, I'm sad that my, that my ex-husband doesn't seem to, uh, take advantage (laughs) of these opportunities for himself. Right. 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 And then turn it, turn it (laughs) on them. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I love I I love that. And Kate, what you are doing, you're helping so many people out and I'm so happy that you came on this podcast because beyond people always writing me and and friends asking this question, you know, of about divorce, it's something that I'm curious about because it's something that I've gone through. I am a child of divorce and it's something that, you know, I dealt with as an older kid. I never really understood it as a younger kid. So I didn't know what that would be like. So you've just explained everything so beautifully. And I hope, and I know that you have helped so many people. And I I just hope that so many people from this podcast um, get such joy and and benefit from it. And I am so excited because I will be on your podcast and we can talk all about mental health and being a child of divorce. And so I'm very excited about that. So how can everyone find your book, um, listen to your podcast, follow along? Thank you so much. First of all, it was so great having this conversation with you. You're awesome. And I'm so excited to have you on my show. So yay. Um, Everything about me is at kateanthony.com. You can find my link to my book there as well. The book is um, uh, available everywhere. It's called The D Word, Making the Ultimate Decision About Your Marriage. And I am on Instagram at The Divorce Survival Guide. And my podcast is The Divorce Survival Guide Podcast. Oh, I love it. I'm so excited. And I will have the link um, to everything in the show notes. Um, so everyone can find it easily and seamlessly. So thank you so much. Thank you.